took all the books that were ever written on how to be a good parent and how to have a great marriage, uh, it would take uh, 20, 21 years publishing 10 books every single day, and you would come up with over 76,000 volumes on how to be a great parent or how to have a great marriage. Now, the, the fact of the matter is, is that nobody here has got time to read 76,000 books. Nobody could read that many books in a lifetime. And in fact, those of you who are in the midst of parenting right now, you'd be happy to read one book a year if you're lucky. So here's the thing. Uh, what, do we, what do we do? How do we, how do we learn how to be great parents? Now, if you go to the Bible, you'll find that there's not whole chapters or books devoted to the subject. There's not whole books or uh, chapters devoted to the subject of marriage. But here's what we do discover. We discover that in the scripture, there are principles that guide us on how to live our lives. There are principles in the word of God that show us how we can become and be all that God wants us to be. And so I want us to look at uh, a little book at the very end of the Old Testament. It's the book of Malachi. And we're going to look at chapter 2, and we're going to look at one verse in chapter 2. We're not going to read the whole book. We're not going to read 76,000 volumes this morning. We're going to look at one little verse. And in case there's some here who don't know who Malachi is, Malachi was a prophet whose job it was to speak God's truth to God's people. And uh, that was some 2,500 years ago. So 2,500 years ago, we find Malachi speaking the words that God wants him to speak to God's people, the Israelites. Now, just look at me for a moment. We find that the people that Malachi is ministering to 2,500 years ago are people very much like us. It was uh, Solomon who said there's nothing new under the sun. And in Malachi's day, guess what he discovered about the people he was ministering to? These people were doubting God's love for them. This is, by the way, one of the great signs of, of spiritual declension. This is when we're on the downward spiral. We're not where we need to be spiritually. The people were doubting that God actually even loved them. The other thing that was wrong with the people at that time is that the priests and teachers were actually causing the people to stumble. They weren't teaching what they were supposed to teach, very much like it is today. Big problems. The priests, the teachers didn't know what to teach or why to teach. And what they did teach, if anything, was just causing the people to stumble. Malachi's job was to speak out against that. The people had lost faith. They, they weren't doing the things that God called them to do. And they weren't living the way God called them to live. In fact, Malachi is a, is a very famous book for people who, who uh, have questions about giving and about tithing and about offerings. And Malachi says, you know, you've lost the blessing of God in your life because you're not giving. And giving is God's idea. This is God's plan. This is how God blesses you. And then Malachi goes on, and he said, and by the way, there's another problem. And the problem is, is, is that there's a breakdown in marriages. And the breakdown in the marriages has caused big problems with the families. And so this morning, rather than reading through what all the experts say and, and what all the psychologists say and what all the pediatricians have to say, we're going to look at what God says to you and me about how to have a happy family. 
And so if you've got your Bibles, we're taking a look at Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. And look at what it says. And if you would read this with me. Didn't God create you to become like one person with your wife? And why did he do this? It was so you would have children and then lead them to become God's people. Don't ever be unfaithful to your wife. Now, could you just back up that slide for a moment? I drew that. And it uh, looks like one of our kids is missing. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's at work. <laughs> he's at Rona. Uh, there we go. So there's, our, there's, our, there's the, fa- the happy family. Now, d- go back to the scripture verse. Um, I want you to know this morning that God's plan for you is that you have a happy marriage and have a happy family. This is absolutely what God wants for you. But the problem is, some of you are sitting here today and you're saying, Pastor, if you could just get a glimpse into our household, you would see that we have anything but a happy family, anything but a happy marriage. I want to give you some some help this morning. I want to give you some direction, some guidelines to help you in your family life and in your marriage life. Because God wants you and your kids to be happy. Look at the words in yellow. It says, it was... Why did, God, why did God bring you together to become one? It was so that you would have children and then lead them to become God's people. If you're going to have a happy family, my friends, you're going to have to teach them, teach those kids how to be God's people. Because when your kids are God's people, they're happy people. When your kids are rebelling against God, when your kids don't love God, when your kids don't go to church and learn more about God, then they're unhappy people. That's just the name of the game. So how do we do this? How do we lead our kids to be God's people? How do we do that? Well, I just want to remind everybody this morning of what the family is. The family is a boot camp. It's a place where your children learn, first of all, how to get along with each other. And secondly, it's a place where they learn how to have a relationship with God. That's what your family is all about. It's a, it's a boot camp for life, if you will. It's where they learn how to relate to each other and how to relate to God. And I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. But let me say this to you. If you don't get your marriage right, if you've got problems in your marriage, if you don't do what Malachi tells us to do, and remember, Malachi... This is not Malachi's philosophy or opinions. This is Malachi speaking the words of God to his people. In other words, Malachi is just a channel of God's message to his people. If you don't get this right, then here's what's going to happen. Your kids will leave your home not respecting authority and especially not respecting God or understanding a relationship with God and they will, not how to, they will not know how to relate to other people in a way that honors God. I'm going to tell you this today, and it's really important to get this, is that when you have the relationship with God that God wants you to have, when you live the way God wants you to live, you'll have a happy life. You will spare yourself heartache and heartbreak. You will spare yourself the disasters, the catastrophes that so many people face. I'm not saying this to be judgmental or condemning anybody today. I'm just trying to tell you this, 
that God has given us instructions on how to get through this life as well and as best as we can. And where do we learn this? We learn it in the family unit. So here's, here's what we've got to know. First of all, we need to understand men. Remember I said last week, men, you're supposed to take initiative. Men, so I'm, I'm talking to the men right now. Men, it's your job to make sure that you are one with your wife. One heart, one mind. You're to function as a team. Listen, look at what it says here. Didn't God create you to become like one person with your wife? This is a clear message to men. Now, I don't want anybody to go away from here thinking, oh, God, Pastor Allen is, is implying that God doesn't care about women. Quite the opposite. Just, just bear with me for a moment, and you'll see what I'm talking about. What we're saying is it's, men, it's a man's responsibility to take the initiative in his home to ensure that his relationship to his wife is what it needs to be, that you are actually one heart and one mind. When I was growing up, I'd go to my, my mom and say, Mom, can I do such and such a thing? And she'd say, go ask your dad. And then I'd go to my dad and I'd say, Dad, can I do that? And he'd say, oh, you had that happen too, did you? Go ask your mom. So I'd go to my mom and she'd say, well, what did dad say? He said to ask you. And so either they would go and, and consult in private together or she would make a decision and dad would be 100% behind it or vice versa. At no time when we were growing up did we ever, ever, ever think that our parents were, had two minds on, on any subject. We always believed that they had the same mind on absolutely every decision that was made. Now, did they always have the same opinion? I, don't, I, I doubt it. And the reason I say doubt it is because there's many times when Gloria and I are making a decision about something, and I don't maybe necessarily agree with her. She doesn't necessarily agree with me, but... But our kids don't know that. They do now. <laughs> we are of one heart and one mind. And it's my responsibility as, as the leader in my home, and remember, not the boss, but the one who's responsible for, for my family's happiness. It's my responsibility to make sure that we are of one mind and one heart on any subject. Where did I get this from? We have to go back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember I told you Genesis chapter 3 is the key that unlocks all the mysteries of why we are the way we are? It's, it's fantastic. If you, if you don't understand why your life is the way it is and how you got into trouble, go to, go to Genesis chapter 3. It'll tell you everything you need to know. We, what do we find in Genesis chapter 3? We find Adam and Eve being tempted by the snake in the garden. Everybody remember that? And, and here's the interesting thing. Is it, the, is it the, the narrative opens up with Eve talking to the snake and the snake talking to Eve? Did you ever wonder where's Adam in all this? Adam, where are you? Eve's up at the front there having a dialogue and a discussion and, and doing a deal with, with Satan. And Adam's just sitting back there, maybe watching TV, playing video games. I don't know what he was doing. Picking his toenails. Uh, ugh. But men do, sweetheart, sorry. <laughs> what is, what's Adam doing anyway? What's Adam doing over? Why is she the one that's taking charge here? Wasn't this Adam's responsibility? To take responsibility for his family? 
Eve usurped Adam's position as leader in his home. And Adam, listen to this, Adam abdicated his role. And so here's the thing, folks. Adam was supposed to be responsible for his family, but he abdicated. He said, I'm going to let Eve do it. It's far easier. Just let her do whatever she wants. It's easiest that way. And all the men said, oh, you're smart. You didn't say anything. So Eve took charge because Adam wasn't. This is, this is, my friends, the model that's been handed down to us. This is what we've learned from our forefathers, and it's like this in every generation. Men abdicate, and women try to take over. And why do they do it? They've got, got no choice. Someone's got to give leadership around here. And so I'm saying this to you today. This is not, by the way, this is not some kind of a sexist marriage where I'm saying women are, are second class and men are first. No, I'm not saying that. We are equal. Remember I said that last week. Men and women are equal, but they have different responsibilities. What should have been happening in the garden there is that Adam should have been stepping up to the plate and said, Satan, go to hell. And Eve should have been behind saying, way to go, Adam. I'm so proud of you. You're getting it right, honey. I love you. I'm, I look up. I admire you. You're the best. And Adam's sticking out his chest saying, <laughs> That's not what happened. And that was the beginning of all of our problems. That was, the, that was when unhappiness entered in to the family, the earthly family. And by the way, all of history supports what I'm saying. Just, just follow it. Take a look and see. And you'll, say, you'll see that what I'm saying is right. Now, this, uh, this beginning of the breakdown in the team was when women could not resist the temptation to take charge and men could not resist the temptation to let her take charge. Let her, let her deal with that. I'm going to let her run with that. I just can't be bothered. Big problems there. So what do we do? Because I know you're sitting here today, you're thinking, oh man, I can't see how I'm going to make this work in my house. Look, at, the best thing I can do is, is, is just describe what should happen in your home by referring to dancing with the stars. That's spiritual. <laughs> it's actually a lot more spiritual than you realize. Has anybody seen Dancing with the Stars? Just nod. Just kind of wink at me if you're if you're embarrassed to admit that. Just well, here's the thing. You don't have to have watched it. I can explain it to you really simply. Basically, it's as it says. It's dancing with the stars. Famous people come on the program, and they're paired up with an expert dancer. And sometimes it's men being paired up with expert women dancers, and vice versa. Now, the show is not just about the, about the actual dance itself. It's not just about, about the performance. The show deals with the performance, but it also shows, listen to this, it shows, listen, what happens behind the scenes. Your marriage, hopefully, when it comes to the dance floor, will be a great dance. But there's work that has to be done behind the scenes. And here's what happens, very, very simply, in three easy steps. This is what it is. In the, 
in the practice behind the scenes, the man le learns how to lead. The woman learns how to follow him. He is trying to perfect his leadership of the dance. She's trying to perfect her following his leadership. And then finally there's the performance. And here's the thing. The better he leads, and the better she follows his lead, the more the judges love their performance. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today. Because that's exactly how your marriage is. The better guys that you take charge and lead in the dance, and the, and the better ladies that you follow his lead, the more the judges are going to love your performance. The people will explode with joy. They will clap for you because you've done such a great job. Can I just ask everybody if they knew who the judges are? Who are the judges? The kids. They know when you're getting it right, and boy, do they know when you're getting it wrong. And when you're getting it wrong, they're unhappy. They're holding up 0, 0.0. And if you're getting it right, they're holding up a perfect 10. When you're getting it right, you are inspiring them. You're teaching them, listen, you're teaching them how to have great relationships with each other. You're teaching them how to have a great relationship, how to love each other. You're teaching them how to, have, how to, how to treat women. You're teaching them how to treat uh, men. You're, you're teaching them how to interrelate with the opposite sex. It's a fantastic example that you're teaching your kids. Now, here's the thing. You don't need to read 76,000 books on the subject. You just need to do what God says. God knows that the best thing for your kids is to see you interacting the way he intended you to interact. You need to get this right if you want to have a happy marriage and if you want your kids to be happy. They need to see you getting this right. Guys, they need to see you taking responsibility for your family, taking the initiative. Ladies, they need, your kids need to see you responding to your husband, and here's why. Because someday they're going to leave your home and they're going to choose a mate. What kind of a mate do you want them to choose? Do you want your daughter to marry someone like you guys? Because that's probably what they're going to do. They're going to marry someone just like their dad. And girls, you're probably, uh, guys are going to marry someone probably just like their mother. That's usually what happens. Not always, but that's often what happens. Because that's all they know. That's all they understand. Now, if you want to get it right, if you want your kids to, to have a great life ahead, then you have got to set the example here and now in your family. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are saying, well, my kids have already grown up and gone away. Can I tell you something really cool? It's not too late. It's not too late, because here's what you need to do. You need to talk to your kids and tell them what you did right and what you got right and what you didn't get right. And the neat thing is this, is that they can learn from your experience. They can learn from your mistakes. And that is better than not learning anything at all. If you could teach your kids now what, what mistakes you made, what you didn't get right, here's what's going to happen, is that you have humbled yourself and given them the example that they also need to humble themselves to learn. If you're too proud or too arrogant to admit that you messed up, then you'll teach your kids to be exactly the same because your kids, your, your kids will do what you do, not what you say. How many know that? 
You know that. You've heard that. You know, do, do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't work. Kids will always do what you do. Now, <laughs> I have watched families, and it's really, really hard to watch, but I've watched families where the mother will overrule her husband every time. He'll say, do this, and the mother says, no, no, you don't have to do that, do that. Father will say, be in by midnight. Oh, no, come in whatever you want, she says. Big mistake. I've watched wives put their husbands down, ridicule them, mock them, laugh at them, treat them like idiots. Guess what? Watch any television program, every, any sitcom, and every single one of those fathers will be treated like what? Like, like lovable oafs. Like they're stupid. If it wasn't for the woman, this whole, everything would go to hell in a basket, right? Am I right? It's true. Why do you think that is, why do you think that is the, the, the prevalent message that comes through? I'll tell you why. Because that's just the way things are unless men decide that they're going to take responsibility for their families. It's, uh, it's a rarity nowadays, isn't it? Most of us laugh hysterically at Homer Simpson. Just an idiot. It wasn't for Marge. Who knows where that family would be? Every single program like that. Very few. I don't know. In fact, right now as I sit here, I can't think of one program that casts a man in a good light. Maybe there's some out there. But almost all of them are about how stupid men are. I had to tell you, it's no wonder. It's no wonder marriages are falling apart. It's no wonder that marriages have lost their romance and lost the excitement and lost the joy and lost the attraction. It's because men are not showing up for duty. Guys, your job is to become one with your wife. You need to communicate to your kids that you are one with their mother. And wives, you've got to do the same thing. You've got to make it clear to your kids that you, you and dad are like this. And I'll tell you the exciting thing that will happen from that. Your kids will learn what it means to obey and serve God. Remember, you know what you're doing? You are training your kids, preparing them for the real world when they're out from under the authority of their parents. You are preparing them, to, you're preparing to set them free into this world. And here's the thing, if they know how to respect and honor and, listen, get this, if they know to respect and honor and obey their earthly father, then it is not a difficult transition to turn that honor and respect and obedience to their heavenly father. Do you get that? Because that is what happens over and over again. If a father is not trustworthy, if a father is not respectable, if a father is not honored as one worthy of obedience, then guess what happens to that kid? That kid grows up to be manipulative. You know, if I can't get it from dad, I'll get it from mom. If I can't get it from mom, I'll get it from dad. They play one against the other. Next thing you know, mom and dad are at each other's throats and the kid's laughing. He got what he wanted. You teach your child how to be manipulative, how to be self-centered, I'm looking out for myself. 
Because when mom and dad don't look out for you, when mom and dad are not careful to, to, to teach you how to obey and how to respect, then that kid learns how to be very much a survivor in this world. And he will do or she will do whatever she needs to do to get what she wants. Not knowing that what, what matters most is not what she wants, but what God wants. And many people have a struggle with this. They have a hard, hard time in their relationship to God because they weren't taught from childhood how to obey and respect their father. Wives, you need to get behind your husbands and help them with this. You need to demand that of them. You just say, you've got to take charge, hon. You've got to take charge. And then every time he gets it right, ring the bell. He got it right. <laughs> He's a hero. If your kids watch you get it right in your marriage, they will do amazingly well and be amazingly well adjusted. They'll respect for authority. They won't be self-centered. They won't be manipulative. I'm going to tell, tell you one more thing in a few moments left to me. Malachi says to these people, you need to be one with your wife. And he's speaking to the men again because it's a man's responsibility to make this happen. Okay? And it's a woman's job to respond to that. He says this. He says, don't ever be unfaithful to your wife. Do you know what that word unfaithful means? It means to be disloyal. It means you're not putting her first. It means that you've got divided loyalties. It means you've, your heart's divided. Your heart's not just for her. I could, listen, this is, this is amazing. This is really amazing. I, I've been counseling for 27 years, and here's what I discovered. Very, very rarely is it a woman who will cheat on her husband. That's very rare. It's almost always the other way around. You need to understand, gentlemen, how important it is for you to guard your heart. If you look at the Hebrew text, it literally says, listen, it literally says this, therefore, take Take heed to your heart and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. What is this saying? You need to guard your heart, guys. You need to protect your heart against anything or anyone who could come between you and your wife. And the first thing that you need to do is you need, again, here we go, and guarding your heart and remaining faithful to your wife is that you have got to take the initiative and in making sure that you're taking responsibility for your family. Secondly, guys, you need to cherish your wife, and she needs to know that you are the most important person in your life. And thirdly, guard your heart. Guarding your heart makes, means that you've got to make sure that your heart is not captivated by pornography, on the internet, by television programs that are anything but marriage positive. That means you've got to make sure that you do not get emotionally connected to somebody else of the opposite sex. And by the way, that goes both ways. 
You've got to do what you can to protect and put up a wall and make sure that there is a very clear barrier between you and absolutely everybody else that you're coming in contact with. It's pretty flattering, guys, isn't it, when, when some woman flirts with you or notices you. It's pretty, it's pretty flattering, isn't it, ladies, when some guy whistles at you and thinks you're pretty hot. Listen to me. This is an attack right out of the pit of hell against your marriage and your family. And it will happen to everybody in any, in, 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 at different ways and different times. Your job is to guard your heart, to protect yourself against every one of these attacks, to make sure that your wife is number one in your life. I was watching a Everybody Loves Raymond episode the other day, and it was the episode where Ray, Raymond has decided that he's not got a, enough power in the home to make decisions. I don't know if anybody has seen that. And he has a big fight with, with Deborah and demands his right to make some decisions in the home. And she says no. And he demands it again and gives another reason why. And she says no. And finally, she can't take it anymore, and she whips around in one heel and says, the day you make decisions in this house will be the day you start taking some responsibility for what happens in this house. And she storms off up to her bedroom. And Ray is furious at her, and he yells up to her, well, just for that, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. And she says, I've already made that decision. <laughs> You're sleeping on the couch. The next day, she relents and says, okay, go ahead, make decisions. She goes out and buys tissue for the house. And, of course, he gets it wrong. The wrong tissue, wrong color boxes, wrong kind of tissue. And he's an idiot. And in every program, it's the same thing. He's an idiot. He catches the kitchen on fire, and he starts running around like an idiot. He doesn't really know what to do. He's, he's just... It's all fluttering and doesn't know what to do. And he runs outside, finally pulls a garden hose in, and it makes it only to the living room. And he's got the water on full blast, and it's just soaking in the living room, not getting anywhere near the fire. It's actually quite funny. He adjusts the spray, and it sprays out this way. It sprays everywhere, but it's not touching the fire. And then Deborah comes in. And Deborah's not an idiot. She marches right to the kitchen, opens the door, pulls out the fire extinguisher, lifts the arm up, <laughs> fires out. And then here's the thing. The audience erupts, clapping, whistling. It was filmed for a live audience. Clapping, whistling for Deborah. She is the smart one. She's the bright one. She's the brilliant one. And he's the idiot. Listen, this is what our culture, our society, our generation is being raised on. This is not God's plan, God's will, God's purpose for you. God gives us clear instructions in his word to how he wants us to function as a family and in our marriage. God is calling you guys to step up to the plate and give leadership in your home. 
He's calling you ladies to support your husband in that and to demand that your husband do that. And I can tell you this. Your kids will watch your behavior and watch the way you treat each other. And they will be a happy family. They will be happy kids, well-adjusted. Would you stand with me, please? If you're standing before your, beside your spouse this morning, why don't you hold her hand or hold his hand? Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you this morning for your word. We want to say thank you, God, that we don't have to have Ph.D. in parenting to get, to get it right. We pray this morning, God, that you would give us the wisdom and the grace by your Spirit to rise to the occasion and be the husbands and wives that we need to be so that our kids would be adjusted and happy and eventually become God's people. Father, we have a heavy responsibility on our shoulders and we recognize today, God, that the kids that are, the children that are in our care are not ours, they're yours and we're stewards of these children. Help us, Lord, not to, not to ruin things, to mess things up. And God, if we, have, if we have failed, if we have messed things up, give us the grace and the humility to discuss it with our kids so that they don't go through the same thing. And we thank you, God, you're a God of mercy and grace we thank you this morning, God, that, that uh, you're the God of the second chance. We thank you this morning, God, that you are God of mercy. So we appeal to you for your help and your strength. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. God, now make your face shine upon each one and give us peace until we meet again. And everyone said it.